This afternoon we'll continue with the metta meditation. As you know, metta is the Pali word usually translated as loving kindness. And it's really a very simple feeling. It's the basic feeling of goodwill. It's just that feeling of wishing well to oneself, to others. So sometimes in thinking about loving-kindness, I think it's helpful at times to stress the kindness aspect, uh, even more than the love aspect. Just because love, certainly as an English word, is such a complex, complex word, complex meaning, and very often, we might feel that we're not quite loving enough, you know, we couldn't be loving enough. We have all kinds of stories about that. Whereas kindness always seems to me a much more down-to-earth word. You know, it's just very simple, very pragmatic. In any moment, are we being kind? Are we being kind to ourselves, kind to other people? In a way, I feel it's a much easier <coughs> word to grasp and to internalize. But really, whichever works for you is fine. It was just reflections over the years for myself of how accessible kindness was, you know, as something to practice. And then the love emerging from that. So that's what we're practicing. We're practicing this kindness, this goodwill. In the practice, there are really three, three parts to it. There's the part of the person we're sending it to, and that could be ourselves. And today we'll be moving on to some other people, directing it towards them. So the first part of the practice is holding some image in the mind, in the heart of this person, ourself or others. And some people have quite an easy time holding an image in mind. And for some people, it may be difficult to hold the image steady, but we get uh, glimpses of the image. You know, the image comes and goes. In whichever way it happens, it's fine. But it is to stay connected to the person that we're sending it to. So it's not just abstract words going out into space. So the image of the person, either a steady image or many fleeting ones, is one part of the practice. The second part of the practice are the words that we use, the phrases. And there are some traditional phrases, but there's also a lot of room for creativity and personalizing the phrases. So the very classical phrases or may you be free of danger, or may I be free of danger, may you be free of mental suffering, may you be free of physical suffering, may you live with ease. Free of danger, free of mental suffering, free of physical suffering, may you live with ease. So you can use those phrases if they resonate. 
Sometimes people like to cast it uh, from the other side. May you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live in safety, may you live with ease. Or you can find your own words. It's really to find the phrases that are meaningful for you so that you can connect with the meaning. Because that connection with the meaning of the phrases is one way of developing the feeling. One thing that you might find as we go through the different categories of people we're sending metta to, having started with oneself and then moving on to others, sometimes we need to adjust the phrases according to the person we're sending it to. You know, we might find some phrases that are really applicable to ourselves, but then when we think of the other person, we might want to tweak it a little bit. So find the phrases that are really meaningful for the person you're sending it to. And it's totally fine to change the phrases a bit you know, as, you, as you work with different people. So one part of the practice is holding the image of the person, either in a steady way, if you can, or just fleeting ways. The second part of the practice is repeating certain phrases. It could be three phrases or four phrases. And it becomes like a mantra of loving kindness. You know, we're, we're repeating the same phrases over and over again, but the key is really to take enough time with each phrase so it's as if we embody them. We're settling into the meaning so that it doesn't just become a mechanical repetition. May you be free of danger, or may you be happy. It's like we take a moment and really feel what that's like, what it is that we're wishing for the person. So the second part of the practice is concentrating on the meaning of the words. And then the third part of the practice is the actual feeling of metta, the feeling of goodwill, the feeling of loving-kindness. Now, some people have the idea that when we do this metta meditation, sit down and all of a sudden, the expectation is we should be filled with this great love. You know, and this, oh, this is going to be an ecstatic sitting. I'm just going to be here floating on love. It's rarely like that. <laughs> it's a practice. And we hold the image, we repeat the words, connecting the words to the person, and then we pay attention to when that feeling of kindness, you know, when that basic feeling of goodwill seems to emerge. And I found it helpful as I'm repeating the phrases and thinking of the person, I found it really helpful when I start really feeling the goodwill, you know, the metta, to stop for a moment and it's like sink into the feeling so that we clearly recognize. It's as if I say to myself, oh, this is what metta feels like. Right? Because 
at a particular time or for some period of time, that feeling is emerging. And so we learn to recognize it, you know, quite specifically. Oh, yes, this is the feeling of metta. This is the feeling of loving kindness. Because the more clearly we recognize it, the easier it is to access it. You know, it's as if we remember, we can remember, oh, yes, this is what the feeling of metta, what it feels like. It will be interesting as you continue with the practice during this retreat, working with all these three aspects, the image, the words, the feeling, to see what it is that generally evokes the feeling most easily. And it may be different for different people. So for example, today we're going to start with sending it to a benefactor and then a friend It may be that when we think of somebody who's a benefactor or a friend, that almost all we have to do is bring their image to mind and the feeling of goodwill is there. Just it's it's as if they're in front of us and we're seeing them, we're being with them. And sometimes just seeing the image is enough to arouse the feeling of metta. And so then We want to hold the image and the feeling and the words are just kind of a soft support behind it. You know, the feeling is already there. Sometimes it may not be the image which evokes the feeling primarily. Sometimes it's actually the words. You know, as we're repeating the phrases, may you be safe, may you be happy. And we connect with our intention behind those phrases We're connecting with that intention of goodwill. And that brings the metta. So just explore. This this practice is beautiful. You know, there's a lot of creativity possible in it. You want to practice it in a way using these three components, sometimes highlighting one, sometimes the other. To practice in such a way that we are supporting and generating this basic intention, basic feeling of goodwill, of kindness, of love. So during the sitting, periodically, I'll just be repeating certain phrases just as a reminder on the off chance that your mind might have wandered, just to, to help bring it back. But you don't have to be using the phrases that I use. You know, really, really settle and find the words and the phrases that are both meaningful for you and meaningful for the person you're sending it to. So the words are appropriate. So we'll begin as Bhante did yesterday. We start with ourselves, just for a few minutes, settling into the body. And sometimes it's helpful to begin by feeling the breath at the heart center, that area of the center of the chest. So it's as if we're letting our awareness settle in that part of the body. It's the region of the heart. Just begin by breathing in and out very naturally and softly at that place. 
and slowly repeating some phrases of metta for yourself. Concentrating on the meaning of what you would most wish for yourself. be happy and healthy. May I live in safety and live with ease. Concentrating on the intention of goodwill towards yourselves, wishing well to yourself.
focusing on the meaning of the words and the intention of goodwill. May I live happily and at peace. Now think of someone who we call a benefactor, somebody who's done good things for you in your life, who's helped you in some way, person for whom you feel gratitude for the things they've done, the way they've been of help. Take a few minutes just to think of different people like that in your lives. For some people, it's even a pet. There's somebody who has been loving towards you, has been of help to you, of benefit to you, for whom you already have loving feelings. And settle on one such being for now making them the object of the loving-kindness. And we take a few minutes using ourselves as a witness. Just as I want to be happy, so may you be happy. And use whatever phrases you're using for them. Just as I want to be peaceful, so may you be peaceful. It's wishing for them the same thing you would wish for yourselves. Just as I want to live in safety and with ease, so may you live with safety and ease. Connecting with the image of that person, focusing on the meaning of the words,
connecting with the very simple feeling of goodwill, of wishing them well. And after some time, we can focus just on the other person, dropping ourselves as the witness, and simply direct these thoughts and feelings towards that person. With each phrase, it's as if you're talking directly to them with this well-wishing.
Notice the feeling that arises when you first think of the person or see their image. This is the person who's been really good to us and helpful to us. Just in thinking of them, what feeling comes? It's a feeling of loving kindness, of friendliness, of wishing them well. And the words are an expression of that feeling. Call the image of the person to mind or the thought of the person to mind with every phrase. As you think of this person who's been a benefactor to you, who's been helpful, connect with the very basic feeling of goodwill, of wishing them well. A word to the expression of that feeling. 
you live in peace. If the mind is wandering, you can come back to the breath at the heart center, reconnecting with the body, and again calling the benefactor to mind. Repeating the phrases of goodwill. In this gentle field of goodwill, of good wishes, you can let a good friend come to mind. Somebody who's been a good friend with you. Try to pick somebody where it's not a very complicated relationship. Begin sending the loving wishes, the kind wishes toward this friend. Be happy and healthy. 
live in safety, live with ease. Notice how you feel when you bring the image or the thought of this friend to mind. It doesn't have to be some big ecstatic feeling, just the basic feeling of friendliness, of wishing well. That's the feeling of metta. Keeping the image or the thought of the person in mind. Noticing the friendly feeling. Just expressing the basic good wish. May you be happy.
May you live in peace. If another friend should come to mind, you can direct the loving wishes towards them. Now extending the loving wishes, the friendly wishes towards everyone's in this room. May everyone here be happy and healthy. May everyone here live in safety, live with ease. In closing, keeping connected to the breath at the heart center, let the good wishes radiate out towards all beings everywhere. May all beings live happily and at peace.
a very nice thing to do to just spend 45 minutes sending out loving wishes. Just think if everybody in the world took 45 minutes, <laughs> just may all be happy. It would be a different world. Do you have any questions about the practice? So the question was, does it matter whether you believe it's going to have any effect? (laughs) It doesn't matter because really what we're cultivating is the wish, the intention for beings to be happy. The outcome is beyond our control. You know, whether people are happy or not depends on a lot of different factors outside of our control, but that doesn't uh, detract from our wishing for it, from our intention. Uh, And depending on the strength of our intention, it actually does have an effect. So just as a simple example of that, you know, if you go into a room and somebody's in the room who's really angry, do you feel it? There, because just the energy and the vibe. Well, the same thing happens. If you go into a room with somebody who has really cultivated metta, loving kindness, you go into that room. One of our teachers in particular, her name was Deepama. She was this extraordinary woman uh, from Calcutta, very highly attained in Vipassana and in metta. Her mind was just peace and love, and that's all you felt. And she lived just in this tiny two-room apartment on the fourth floor in Calcutta. Not, not great surroundings. When we would go into her room, it was like going into a room of light. I mean, the, the effect of it was so powerful. And she would often just bless you by running her hands over your head and shoulders. It was like being bathed in loving-kindness. So when it's that powerfully developed, it actually does have a very tangible effect. The next question is, can it, right, if it works, can it be with the intention of manipulating love? Well, then it's not really metta. So, so the question is, does it work if it's the intention of a kind of manipulating love? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a little story. <laughs> I was out visiting a friend in, in Western Mass. Lived out, way out in the woods, just on this dirt road, and there were just a few houses you know, scattered in the woods. And I was going for a walk, and one of the neighbor's houses, which wasn't too close, there was this little dog, but it was very aggressive, you know, in the yard. So I'm walking by, and this dog is yapping away, you know, quite aggressively. And I thought, well, I'll just do some metta. (laughs) It said that the Buddha calmed the wild elephant that way. So, okay, this is just a little dog. (laughs) So, be happy, be happy, be peaceful. (laughs) It came over and bit me. (laughs) 
and I realized it really wasn't meta that I was sending. <laughs> you know, it was fear, and you stay there, and I'll be here. <laughs> so it does have to be genuine to really be meta. Good question. So if we notice attachment arise with the benefactor, do you switch benefactors or stay with it? You could do either. I mean, if it seems simpler to switch a benefactor where that's not there, you might, you might do that to start with. But it can also be very revealing to be doing metta to see the attachment and then to really see the difference between attachment and love. And to see that distinction is very powerful and very transforming because generally in our lives, we have so conflated these two feelings. We just think if we love somebody, of course we're attached. You know, and we think that it's kind of the same thing or inextricably linked. But when you can see clearly this is what attachment feels like. This is what love feels like. Very different, not only different, almost opposite. Because what's attachment? Attachment is a holding. Metta is like a generosity, is a giving. It's an energetic generosity of the heart. One is holding, one is giving. They're two completely different states. And what's so interesting, when we can see it that clearly, and again, not to see it abstractly, but really to, to feel in the body and in the mind, what does attachment feel like? What does metta feel like? When we can see the difference, begin to understand that attachment doesn't in any way enhance the feeling of love. It only detracts from it. But this is not obvious to most people. You know, think, oh, if, if I let go of the attachment, what will happen to the love? It'll only get stronger. But it all comes from understanding what the difference is. And the only way we can really understand it is to see it right in our own experience. So it could be very interesting. Tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> All about that. <laughs> and that, that itself is a great practice. Is there a particular way someone should practice metta if what they really struggle with is compassion towards themselves? Like they don't have a problem being compassionate towards others? So the question was is there a particular way to practice metta? if there's a difficulty in feeling compassion towards oneself and it feels easier to feel compassion towards others. First, just to make a little distinction between metta and compassion because they're related. I mean, they're very related feelings, but they're just slightly different. Metta, loving kindness, is just that universal feeling of goodwill. It can be extended to everyone. Compassion is directed particularly to the suffering of beings. 
Right? So compassion is, compassion is very related and wanting to alleviate suffering. Whereas metta, whether somebody's suffering, not suffering, we can still wish them well. Right? So that's, they're just slightly different feelings. Yes. The phrase could be, may I be good to myself? That's the wish that you have. May I feel compassion for myself? Right? And so it's the, the very thing that you feel might be lacking, the wholesome quality, the good quality, that becomes the very basis of the wish. And maybe it's not there yet, but that's the intention. And so that becomes the meta-filled wish. Right? So this, would someone say practice that phrase or huh? focus on themselves exclusively for a period of time? It could. It definitely could. Would that make that person, would it make that person selfish? Or? Not at all. Not at all. So does focusing on oneself, may I, may I be good to myself? May I, may I be filled with loving kindness? May I have compassion for myself? And really, if it feels like we don't have that, and that's the wish we want to cultivate, you could spend an extended period of time doing that. Because the more we can have that feeling for ourselves, we universalize that feeling for others too. It's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so especially if the example was parent and child or anybody we're close to. If you see them doing actions that are causing them suffering, it's a very fine line between attachment to wanting them to be free of suffering and the wish. I think that the subtlety of that line has to do with expectation. In other words, if you can express the wish. May you, have, may you have love for yourself. Maybe you, may you be kind to yourself. May you be free of suffering. May you be happy. The attachment is if in there's an expectation that they should be that way now. <laughs> That's very different than just the purity of the wish, the wholesomeness of the wish, without expectation. But it's just that generosity of feeling yeah. And in that, in, in those moments anyway, there really is an attachment. It's just, because, as I say, the attachment is that holding or wanting, and the compassion is a, it's just the giving. And you may finally go back and forth. I mean, we're not saints. 
most of us, maybe some of you are. But so at times we'll see the attachment, you know. But as I was saying earlier, to begin to use the seeing of the attachment to get clear about the difference between attachment and love. You know? So that's very, it's very interesting. What's the confusion? Generally, when people are starting the metta practice, it's suggested that we pick people, as I, as I mentioned, where the relationship is not complicated, you know, where it's not mixed up with a lot of other things. Because it's harder. It's harder to kind of separate out and see, okay, is this really metta or is there, is there a lot of attachment or clinging or desire mixed in? So we want to start, just keep, pick some people you know, where it's really clear and simple and there's just that basic goodwill. As we get more grounded in what that feeling of metta is, that's free of attachment, free of desire, if there's attachment and desire, it's not metta. It's desire. It's attachment. So once we get clear of the difference and we can settle in just to the simplicity of just wishing well, that's all. We're not wanting anything from it. That's, that's really the key. You know, are we doing this because we're wanting something for ourselves or are we just doing it as an offering, as a gift? So we start with people for whom the relationship is simple then when we're really grounded in that feeling, you can expand it you know, to people where the relationship is a bit more complex. Um, and I think that's just an easier way to proceed. Just one of, sometimes, especially with uh, often, like with family, <laughs> where relationships can be really complex, uh, sometimes it's suggested just doing it all as a group. Yeah. <laughs> Just put them all in a family photo. <laughs> May you all be happy. May you all be healthy. <laughs> and it's easier. It's easier. <laughs> what is the um, relationship of Neva and the Pasma? Or is there... Well, they're definitely supportive of each other and For somebody like Deepama, when she was asked that, she said the two practices really came together. She said, when you're doing metta, aren't you also being mindful? Yes. And when you're being mindful, truly mindful, isn't there also that quality of friendliness, which really is a characteristic of mindfulness, not necessarily towards a person, but just towards the object of experience that quality of being open, non-defensive. Right? And so the, even though in Vipassana we're not directing it towards a person, the quality of metta is right there in the mindfulness. So, so they're very supportive of each other. Okay, maybe the last question.
So the question was about metta and deceased loved ones. There are two, um, we could say, levels or intentions in doing metta practice. One we could call general metta, which is what we're doing here. We're just cultivating it towards ourselves, particular people, and even all beings. And it's fine in doing that kind of metta and practicing this way to include people who have died. And we bring them to mind. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll say, in my, wherever you may be, may you be happy and peaceful. Metta can also be done as a concentration practice which leads to what in Pali are called jhanas or absorptions, where the mind gets deeply absorbed in the object, whatever it may be. It might be a light, it might be the feeling of metta. If we're doing the metta practice as a vehicle for absorption, then it should be for a living person. So again, it depends just which way we're doing it. Just one little metta practice that I've found enjoyable. not to do this all the time, but just to play with it a little bit. Maybe if you're outside and, or inside and doing a walking meditation, uh, you could take part of a walking period where you're actually doing metta as you're walking. And one of the things that I find very enjoyable is just, beside having a particular person in mind, but Anybody who just crosses my field of vision, you know, be happy, be peaceful, you know, and it just it, it starts to uh, just habituate that response, you know, in seeing people. And you're walking down the streets of New York or wherever, well, be happy, be happy, be happy, <laughs> before they cart you off. <laughs> Actually, in New York, they won't cart you off. You can. <laughs> Okay, so be happy. <laughs> there's, there's about half an hour now for walking before uh, tea time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.